0: Good morning and welcome back. We're in the middle of a great series. We just started last week uh, talking about Abraham and it's the genesis of faith and this call that God had on Abram's life to, to leave his country, to leave his people, to leave his father's household and go to a land that God would show him. And really that's the whole genesis of it. It's a faith call. So often we look at our lives or we look at religion and we think it's about what we do. It's not about what we do, it's about what he's done. It's about what God has done for us, and God took the initiative with Abram and invited him on this journey, and God takes the initiative with us, and God is calling us and drawing us to Himself and doing something that only He can do, and so this is an exciting series. It's such a relevant series for all of us, where we live and what's going on in our lives and what's even going on in the world today as God is speaking to us and calling us to be fully mature disciples. Now last week we started with Genesis chapter 12, but if you back up even in Genesis 11, we saw this, that God called Abram when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, and his dad was Terah, and instead of staying in the Ur of the Chaldeans in that idol worship, they decided to follow God and to trust God, and they left there and went to Haran. But then it says in the end of Genesis 11 that Terah settled there, and he didn't follow God. And so Abram continues on the journey. Now, I throw out these names. I want to put a map up just to kind of give you some perspective and let you see this. So if you look here, down where you see Babylon, Babylonia, that area, that is where they started in Ur, the Chaldeans. And they were living there and it was idol worship. And God says, no, I've got a bigger plan and purpose. And they went all the way up to Iran, about 600 miles, okay? You can recognize some of the cities there, Aleppo's right there. I mean, you know, the impact even today of what's happening. And then, Terah stayed in Iran, but Abram follows God all the way down here to Canaan. Now, the Bible tells us that Abram was 75 years old. (laughs) 75 years old when he left and he came down to Canaan. Now, I got to tell you, that's pretty awesome. Because I don't know how many of you are 35. if you are 35, Just know this, God's not finished with you. God's not finished with any of us. God still has a call in our lives. God still wants us to follow him and trust him regardless of age, regardless of where we are in life. And Abram trusted. God had this covenant promise with Abram. He said, Abram, if you will follow me, listen, you leave your country, you know, your people, your father's household and go to land, I will show you, I will bless you and I will make you into a great nation. You will be a blessing to people, listen to all people. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse. And Abram's like, hey, I trust you, God, but I don't have any kids. I'm 75, right? But I'm still going to follow. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't make sense. You know, like the world would say, there's no way you're old. How are you going to do that? But but God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow. So Abram and his wife Sarai and the nephew Lot, they go all the way down to Canaan. And what I love about Abram, Abram can look back on his life and say, hey, I don't have any regrets. I didn't just stay and settle in Iran. I didn't just settle and go halfway with God. I followed God even when God called me. I was reading an article the other day. There was a lady named Browning Ware, wrote an article and she was a palliative care nurse. Okay, so she dealt with patients in the last days of their life. Like, three weeks to live, you know, and she would come in. She worked with hundreds of patients. And here's her list. She said, after listening to all these patients, here are the top five regrets of the dying. The top five regrets of the dying. Here they are. Number one is this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Wow. Wow. How many people get to the end of their life and go, Man, I didn't live the life God wanted me to? I lived the life everybody else wanted me to live. I lived what others expected of me. Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe you're struggling with that. Listen, listen, listen. Don't get to the end of your life and have a regret there. The second regret is this. She said, This is what people said, their patients. I wish I didn't work so much. This was from most of her male patients, by the way, she said. I wish I didn't work so much. And I think we can all get caught up on that, right? We're on this work treadmill, and we're going and going and going, and we're thinking just more money, more money, more money. It's it's not always about that, right? Your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your kids. And and at the end of their life, all these patients are looking back going, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. The third regret was this. It was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings, I wish I had the courage. Do you, you know old people will just say anything? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, they just, they don't care, right? They're just like your grandmother. You're like, she just says it. You're like, mom, really? She's embarrassing me, you know? But, but you know, you got to kind of like that. And I think most people get to the end of their life and they go, you know what? I wish I would express expressed my feelings. I wish I would have said what was really going on in my heart. I wish I would have expressed how much I love somebody or how much I care about somebody. Or I wish I would have expressed, hey, I don't think you should be doing this. I, I wish I would have had the courage to do that. Uh, here's the fourth regret that a lot of people die with, and it's this regret. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And here they are uh, dying, and they're looking back, and they're saying, man, I, I missed out on community. Right? I was either on that work train, or I was doing all these other things, but I somehow I missed out. That's why church is so important. That's why community is is important for us to have those relationships. We all need a place to belong. And then the fifth regret that she noticed among all these people was this. I wish I'd let myself be happier. I wish I'd just let myself be happier. You know, happiness is a choice, right? It's something you choose or you don't choose. And we can get weighed down in jealousy. We can get weighed down in bitterness. We can get weighed down in all these things. But, but when you begin to follow God, I think all of a sudden it's just like, I know that God is sovereign. I know that He's in control. And I can enjoy the journey. I can know that God is going to bless and that He has this. And, and I think for all of us, there's this place in our lives where we go, I don't want to die with regrets. I want to live my life fully for the glory of God. I want to make every moment count. And for us to learn that. And that's why I believe the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, in the New Testament, it says, Consider Abraham, even though he was back in the Old Testament, right, 4,000 years ago. Consider Abraham. He believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Go back and look at this guy's life. Look at how he lived and learn that it's a journey of faith. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Genesis 13. Genesis 13. Uh, Man, this is so good, so deep, so rich. This guy, Abram, that God called, and his name is later changed to Abraham. So very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 13. We were in 11 and 12 uh, last week. And so if you don't have a Bible, we've got some free Bibles in the back. We'd love to give you one. Uh, also, if you have a mobile device, you can access the Scriptures at Version, or we'll put the Scripture on the screen. But let's go to work right here. Genesis 13, look at verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Now, I want to stop right there. Why is Abram in Egypt? Okay? God had called him to leave the earth of the Chaldeans and go to Canaan, but it says that he went up from Egypt. What was he doing? Well, I'll tell you, he was wandering from God. <laughs> he was wandering from God. Uh, he had a regret, and this was it. See, Abram wasn't perfect, right? A lot of times we think everybody in the Bible, they're like superheroes, right? They were like the Avengers. They you know, never made mistakes. They didn't mess up. No, these are ordinary men and women who had the same struggles that you and I have. It's just that they decided, hey, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow wholehearted. But they still made mistakes. And Abram made a mistake here. And if you go back in Genesis 12, you can see that when Abram comes into the land of Canaan, He builds an altar and he worships there. And then a famine happens in the land. Now there's no record of Genesis 12 of Abram saying, okay, a famine's in the land. God, let me pray about this. What should I do? It just says there was a severe famine in the land. So Abram goes down to Egypt. (laughs) Abram leaves the promised land area and he goes down to Egypt. And when he gets down to Egypt, here's what he does. Here's what he does. He says to Sarai, his wife, he says, Sarai, Woo, you're, you're really attractive. And I know what's going to happen, right? We're going to get down there and they're all going to look and they're going to say, hey, look how attractive you are. And they're going to kill me to get to you. So here's what I want you to do, Sarah. I want you to tell them that you're my sister. Now, technically, if you go back and look at the genealogy, you know, you can kind of make this as a stretch. But, but here's what Abram was doing. He's like, hey, hey, you just tell them you're my sister, now, Sarai is about 65 at this time, right? So, I don't know if she was on some CrossFit program. or I don't know what was happening, but I guess he was a hottie back in those days. And anyway, sure enough, they come into Egypt, right? And Pharaoh's officials all go, hey, check out the new girls in town. And so, they go and bring her to Pharaoh. They take her and put her in the harem of Pharaoh. And Abram's over here, like, whoa, they spared my life, right? Because you're my sister but true to his word as God always is he says I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse he brings a curse onto Pharaoh and he inflicts disease on Pharaoh's household and so Pharaoh's figuring out hey something's not right here and before he does anything with Sarai he goes to Abram and goes wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute she's not your sister right she's your wife Because something bad's happening and God's punishing me. And Abram's like, yeah. He's like, take your wife. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Now, now I want you to think here. Because this was a huge, huge regret, I think, for Abram. Because what did that say to Sarai? You know what that said to Sarai? Listen, listen. Sarai, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to put your life in jeopardy. I'm going to put you. You go sleep with Pharaoh or whatever else. But just as long as I'm okay. And I bet Sarah's like, why don't you stand up and fight for me? Why don't you be a man? Why don't you be my husband? Why don't you be there for me? And you know what it did? It put distrust right there. It also showed Sarah, hey, when things get tough, You know, instead of praying, you fix it yourself. And so sure enough, what's going to happen a few years later, we're going to see later on in the summer that Sarai, when she's getting older and still don't have any kids, she says, hey, I'll just take matters into my own hands. Abram, you sleep with my Egyptian maidservant, Hagar. And we're still feeling the ramifications of that today, right? Because Abraham is the father of Christianity and Judaism through Isaac, the promise who will come later on. But if you go to Islam, Islam traces back to Abraham through Ishmael. But I think that seed was planted right there. A defining characteristic, get this, don't miss this. A defining characteristic of somebody who's outside of God's will is selfishness. A defining characteristic of someone who is wandering from God is selfishness. And if you find yourself becoming more and more selfish, then you need to do a check, right? A spiritual check and just say, whoa, 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 I must be moving away from God. If you find yourself being selfish in your marriage, if you find yourself being selfish with your kids, you know what what a great indication of selfishness is? Impatience. Impatience. It's an indication of selfishness, right? Because what you're doing, like you're driving down the road and there's a lot of traffic and you're going, you people get out of my way, right? Because I'm way more important than you, (laughs) And my agenda is way more important than your agenda. I don't know what your agenda is, but you know, you're in my way because hey, I'm coming through. That's selfishness, right? And we bring that into our marriage. We bring that into our kids. We bring that into our families. We bring that into our roommates. And we, we start to see the selfishness build. And that's a defining characteristic. And Abram, here he is, wandering from God. If we could put that map back up there. You see, he's made the journey, right? He's come from the early Chaldeans up to Haran, down to Canaan. But then he goes over to Egypt... But then he comes back and he returns to God. So praise God for that. Keep going here. Look, he repents. He just learns, hey, I've messed up. I made a mistake. So from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram realizes, oh man, I messed up in my marriage. I messed up in my relationship with the Lord. But you know what? I'm going to go back to where I first worshipped. I'm going to go back to the promise that God has for me. And I'm going to worship Him. I think this is so powerful, this returning to God. Because in our lives, we're going to make mistakes, guys. We all know that, right? We're going to mess up. But, But I think spiritual maturity is this... When we mess up, the quicker we learn to repent, the quicker we learn to come back to God. And instead of just living in, you know, Egypt, living in that depravity, living in that sin, we start to realize, wait a minute, I'm coming back to where I first encountered the Lord. You remember when you first accepted Christ? Maybe for you, you were a kid, or maybe it was recently at church, or maybe, maybe it was some point in your life when you just said, God, I surrender. I'm gonna follow you. Jesus, you died for my sins. You made me whole. Remember the joy that you had? Man, you couldn't wait to come to church. You were just so excited. You know, you would worship. You're just like, yes, you were going to read your Bible. Abram's like, I'm going back to that. I'm going back to that. I'm putting a stake in the ground to worship. And Abram worshiped. He returns to God. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's God who will come in and cleanse. Our call is to confess. We're going to wander, right? As the old hymn says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's going to be times that selfishness is going to come in. But that we quickly turn around to repent and come back to the Lord. Jesus was writing in the very last book of the Bible. We're in the very first one. But the very last book in Revelation, he's writing a letter to seven churches. And he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus And it says this, Ephesus, you're doing some great things, church. Great ministry. Good things happening. He says, yes, in verse, right here, in chapter 2, verse 4. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So here he's speaking to the church. He goes, Guys, listen, you've wandered, your heart has left me. Repent and do the things you did at first. Come back to when God was the priority of your life. Come back to when you prayed. Come back to when you worshiped. Come back to when you read the word. Come back when you prayed. You know what? That's a great principle in marriage as well. Maybe in marriage you feel like, man, the spark's kind of gone out. You know, I don't know, we're not as close as we used to be. I think God would say, hey, go back and do what you did at first. Remember when you were dating and you would bring flowers? Remember you would write cards? Remember you would go on dates? And you're like, I don't have time for that. i got kids and I've got a job and i got a career. Well, yeah, that's why you're drifting apart. I grew up in a great church like our church. I loved it. It was just, it was great. I had a great preschool children's student ministry. But I remember I had this older Sunday school teacher when I was a student and, and one time he told us this. He told us that when he was dating his wife, you know, he had a truck. I grew up in Texas. So he said, I had a truck, right? And he said, my wife, you know, my, we were dating in high school. He said, it, it was before we got married, but she would sit right next to me. It was back before seatbelt laws, okay? You know, and remember those two header trucks. You could see them. And uh, so she would be right next to me. And he said, it was great. We were dating and he said, we've been married for about five years, you know, and now she's sitting on her side of the truck and I'm over here. And, and, and one day she's like, why, you know, we've kind of grown apart. I mean, why don't we, you know, spend as much time together? Why aren't we as close as we were, you know? And, well, what's happened in our marriage? And, and he just looked over and, and he said, well, who moved? I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> you're over by the door. I'm still right here in the driver's seat. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a seatbelt law yet, but Who moved? over there. And I think there's a God who's just saying to us, hey, listen, I'm still here. (laughs) You know, I'm the one who loves you, I'm the one who forgives you, I'm the one who's here. And we get caught up in the world, and we're going after the world, and we're going this. But when we have spiritual discernment, and we recognize, whoa, 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 my heart is prone to wander, but now, boom, I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm going to follow my needs, I'm going to get back, I'm going to get back to where it's right with him. And Abram does that. God's not finished with me. Abram knew that. God didn't bring me here just to Canaan and say, hey, check, you made it to Canaan. God's still doing more in my life and I'm going to follow him. So pick up here. It says, now Lot, that's his nephew, right? Who was moving about with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Pesarites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine. For we are brothers. It is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Guys, this is powerful right here. Because what Abram was doing was saying, hey, I learned something about being selfish with Sarai. I'm not going to do that again. So Lot, you go ahead and pick. You, You pick whatever land you want. You go there, I'll go the opposite direction. You pick. Now Abram could have said, you know what? I'm the one who was called here. I'm the uncle. I'm the elder. I'm the one who should get my pick of the best possible land here. But Lot, go ahead, because I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that God's going to provide. I'm going to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense to let my nephew pick the best land. But but God, I'm going to trust you. You go ahead and pick, Lot. So Lot looked up, and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, told Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Lot looks up. Now notice there's no record of Lot praying. There's no record of Lot saying, God, what do you want me to choose? Or there's no record of Lot saying, you know what, Abram, you are the elder. You go ahead. It just says, so Lot looked up and goes, wow, look at that land. I mean, you talk about well watered. Oh man, this is gonna be perfect. I'll take that land. I'll go there. And he pitched his tents by Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, known for its wickedness. And Lot goes, I'm going to go there. You know how temptation always starts off? It always looks so good, doesn't it? <laughs> you remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve, God says, hey, you can have all of these trees, but don't eat for this one. And they start looking at the fruit and they're like, wow, you know, this fruit's good, but look at that. That looks awesome, you know. And then they, slowly but surely. You know, David, King David King David, it tells us in the times when kings go off to war, David stayed back and he's walking around on his palace deck and he's looking out and he sees this beautiful woman bathing and instead of going, oh, shouldn't look at that, I need to walk away. Whoa, wait a minute. He keeps coming back, keeps looking, keeps staring. Hey, 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 somebody tell me, who is that? Oh, that's Uriah's wife, the guy who's fighting for you in the battle. Yeah, 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 whatever. Go get her. (laughs) Regret. I want to tell you, this one decision that Lot makes, he'll regret for the rest of his life. Because it's going to cost him his wife. (laughs) It's going to impact his relationship with the kids in a huge way. See, he said, you know what? I can go live by that wickedness and that sin, but I'm strong. It's not going to impact me. Oh, no. I'll be fine there. I can handle it. I can go to that party. It's cool. I mean, I'm strong. I mean, I can do it. You know, I can go hang out with those people. It's fine. It's fine. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. How many people have regrets over sexual sin? How many people today have regrets? Politicians? Businessmen? TV executives? Oh, I'm strong. It won't happen to me. Oh, no. All of us are vulnerable. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Instead of fleeing, what do we do? We flirt, right? Instead of fleeing and go, hey, here's the line. We go, "Ah, I can put my tent there. I'll be okay. They can all do whatever they want to, but no, no, no. I'm strong. I can pitch my tent right here. And the regret that follows. Don't compromise. Uh, please, church, I, I tell you, please, please, please. It's just not ever worth it. Don't compromise on your integrity. Don't compromise with the, on your taxes. Don't compromise with your spouse. Don't, don't compromise in any area of your life. Even if the cashier gives you back $2 more. Listen, your integrity is not worth $2. Hand it back. It's not worth it. But Lot <laughs> never prays. And he just goes there. But what I love about Abram, man, Abram trusted God, even when it didn't make sense, right? Lot, you're gonna get the best land. I mean, that doesn't make sense. There's times in our lives... That we have to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. There may be a time that comes and your company comes to you and says, hey, we've got this great promotion and it looks so good. And you can make so much more money. Now you're going to be gone from your family, you know, all the month. You know, you're going to be traveling all the time, all the time. You really won't be home, maybe one day a week. But, you know, that, but, but, but listen, it looks so good. And maybe it is good. But maybe it's something you just have to say, listen, I don't care. I'm going to trust that God wants me to have my priorities with God first and my spouse and my children and my church and my commitment to Him. I'm not doing it. I know where it's going to lead me. I know where it's going to lead my family. I'm not doing it. Maybe it's trusting God just every day when you wake up instead of like, oh man, i got to fix everything. There's so many things that have got to happen because it's all dependent on me. It's, it's no, 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 no. I'm going to stop and take the first 10 or 15 minutes and I'm going to get down by my bed and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to say, God, it's in your hands. I know it doesn't make sense because there's a lot to do today but this makes a ton of sense right here to be with the Lord and let God handle the things for me. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to be selfless in a world that says, get as much as you can right now. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to learn to be selfless and give because my God says he'll provide and I'm going to trust him. I know when God calls me to go on a mission trip and I mean, everybody else is going to go, well, how are you going to make it? What are you going to eat over there? How are you going to survive? And I just go like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going. Not knowing everything, but I'm trusting or when God calls me to serve, or when God calls me, I'm His, All his, wholly and completely. And that's what Abram did. And here's what God does. God says, when you are faithful, God says, when you are faithful, watch this. So the Lord, verse 14, said to Abram, after Lot had parted with, from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. God just gave Abram a greater vision for his life. He goes, Abram, look at all the land. Look north and south and east and and even look west because i'm going to give you that land too you trust me abram you hold on to me and the bible juxtaposes abram and lot you can see it throughout scripture right you you got abram who was faithful to god even though he wasn't perfect even though he made mistakes he was faithful to god and you got lot who was impulsive who didn't pray who was selfish who wanted to be by the world and you see the ramifications And God is constantly calling you and I out of that life, out of the era of the Chaldeans, out of idol worship, out of the way of the world, and calling us to follow him. And I want to tell you, when you live life for him, there is no regret. And when you follow him, man, it leads to a life of blessing. When I committed my life to Christ many, many, many years ago, I want to tell you, I've never regretted it for a day. I mean, I'm not perfect, and there are times I make mistakes, but God is so, so, so faithful. And God calls me to follow and to trust, going, not knowing everything, but just trusting him. See, it's not about a destination, right? It's about a relationship with God through faith, a relationship with God through faith. I'm going to trust you, Father, every day of my life. You know, as a church, when we started 14 and a half years ago, I, I've told you this. I was scared. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I felt like God was calling us to plant a church, but, but I had no clue I was going to go. Lisa, my wife, had more faith than I did. She's like, no, this is what God's calling us to. And here we are with 15 people in an apartment clubhouse in Cool Springs. But God said, you know what? I'm going to call you. But it's not going to be about our destination. It's going to be a journey of faith. It's going to be a journey of obedience. It's going to be a journey of sharing Christ. And Jesus gave his disciples the great commission, go, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus said, listen, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. And just like he called Abram and said, hey, leave here and go here. He said to us as a body of believers, even with 15 people, hey, you go. You just share the love of Christ with others. And so we've been on a faith journey. God's provided for us this incredible place. I mean, who would have ever dreamed or scripted? But, but the building is not the vision, right? I mean, we didn't, just because we're here, we don't sit back and just eat bonbons and go, hey, great, I'm done, I'm over. No, 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 God's still writing a greater story. God still has a bigger purpose for your life, for my life, and for our lives together. And so God calls us to take more steps of faith, more steps of trust. And so as a church, we're doing that. And we're investing more and more in online because we want to enhance the online experience. Because Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." Now the disciples weren't there going, "All nations! Wow, that's great. Maybe we can do live streaming and we can get." But we better. It's our day. It's our generations. We are the disciples of Christ today. Do you know online? There's people watching online. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, and they're watching. Maybe they're at home today because hey, somebody's sick and their child is at home and you're watching and I'm so glad you're dialing in. Maybe you're at the beach on vacation. I'm so glad you're keeping up with this series and you're learning and you're growing where you are. But it's not just for us when we're sick. It's also that there's people today watching from the Philippines. Hey guys. There's also people watching from Canada. Hey, you know? I mean, there's also people watching from all over. Which is amazing because you and I have that opportunity to share the love of Christ with people all around and they're a part of our church, and we love you guys. And this, all of us, locking arms together, on Easter Sunday morning, Tim Burke shared his story. Um, Tim Burke, if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and watch um, the podcast or go back online because it is so powerful. And stay, Tim is facing cancer, and he's been walking through cancer. This guy's faith is so strong in the Lord, and he is an incredible husband and father and a man after God's heart. And he's sharing his story that morning right here on this stage. And there's a family in Wisconsin who was watching, and the husband was just diagnosed with cancer on that Friday. And the wife texted in to one of our online guys who was hosting that day and just said, Hey, my husband and I, and all five of our kids, are huddled around the TV screen right now. And we're watching on our Apple TV, and we're bawling right now, crying, but we know God is faithful. And we know God's going to be with us even in the midst of cancer. You guys are impacting people all over. But it also means this, that we've got a responsibility right where we live. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the autonomous parts of the world. He could just start where you live. And so that's why we launched two years ago. We launched a campus that's meeting now in Nolensville. And guys, God's doing a great work. Pastor Jason Hale's doing an amazing job as our campus pastor. And David Curtis, our worship pastor. And and we're going to continue to pour into Nolensville. If you have friends that live in Nolensville, hey, let them know. Hey, come. Be a part. We're also looking for land. We're putting down roots. We're going to stay there and and make that a priority. But it also means this, that we've got to continue to reach out too. Do you know that there's 80 to 100 people moving into Nashville a day? I mean, for whatever reason, God's hand is on our city. God's hand is on Williamson County. People are coming from all over the world to us. And so, in September of this year, in 2017, in just a few months, we're going to launch a downtown campus in Nashville. We're going to go because God's bringing people, and we've got to. We've for a year have been having Thrive, a young adult service down there. There's people that are already saying, Hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing in His church. And so we're going to launch now. Maybe you live down there and you drive out here. I want to encourage you. Maybe you want to be a part of the core team. Maybe you want to help out as we start something there in Nashville. But it also means for all of us to take a step of faith as well. And so in the fall, we're going to go to three worship services on Sunday morning. If you were here on Easter, you know it was packed. I mean all three services. And every year, when August comes and everybody's back in school and everybody's back from vacations, we run about 80 to 90% of that previous Easter. Some of you sat in the parking lot for about 25 minutes trying to get out. You know, thank you for being patient. That's a godly trait, by the way. So thank you. But we are going to have three services, 830, 10, and 1130. And we think that's going to help with parking. We think it's going to help with entrance access. But what it's going to mean is this. It's going to be an opportunity for all of us then to serve. We talk about worship one hour, serve one hour. So worship at 8.30 is serve at 10. Worship at 10, serve at 11.30. But somehow that you and I, we are being fed, being filled with the Spirit, being filled with God's Word, being filled in worship, and then we're giving back and we're serving, we're pouring out. So inside your worship guide, there's an insert that just talks about some worship one, serve one opportunities. And I want to give you some time to pray about it. For a couple of months, just pray. Thinking, God, where do you want me to serve? And on the back, there's all kinds of places, you know, whether it's audio or camera or worship team or whether it's in preschool or children or student ministry. But there's a place for you. And you can put your name on here, put your email. You can drop in the offering basket as it comes by. This is just, hey, I'm interested. I'd like to hear more. This isn't I'm signing up for the rest of my life, you know, to work with preschoolers. This is I'm just interested. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to serve in some way. Just fill that out and drop it in. It also means this, that if 80 to 100 people a day are moving in, you're getting a lot of new neighbors. (laughs) And you are probably. If you look around your neighborhood, you look around your apartment complex, you look around where you live, there are people coming here. So how can you and I share the love of Christ? How can we invite them to come and be a part of what God's doing here at his church? You know, 14 and a half years ago, my wife made this statement. I'll never forget it. She sat down, we sat down on the couch and we were talking and we were praying about planning and starting. And she looked at me and she said, Jeff, 10 years from now or 15 years from now, I don't want to look back and say what God could have done. I don't want to look back and say we missed it because we didn't follow him in faith. She said this, I don't want to look back and have regrets. I want to tell you, Fourteen and a half years later, we're not looking back and having regrets because God is doing an incredible work for his glory. And God is raising up a people who are disciples, who are seeking him, and who are impacting lives all over, and that we get to serve together. God is raising up men and women, and we're locking arms together, and we're serving, and none of us are perfect, but we're all on a journey of faith together, and God is growing us as disciples. But God's not finished with any of us. God is calling us to go forward. And we're following him. Here's how Genesis 13 ends. Look at verse 18. It says, So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. What did he do? He comes back and he worships. God, thank you for the greater vision for my life. God, I just want to worship. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. I mean, I don't have a kid and I'm 75, but but God, I trust you and I'm going to build an altar and I'm just going to worship you. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God's here. And it's not an accident that you're here. And God is doing something in your life and God's not finished. And God is calling you to take a next step in your faith journey. And maybe for you, today is a day of salvation. Maybe for you, you all thought it was about works and how good you were. And you realize today, listen, it's about following God through Jesus. It's about having a relationship with God through His Son who died on a cross for my sins. And maybe you want to get down on your knees by your chair and just say, forgive me, Father, for my sins. I am yours Maybe today you've kind of gone halfway, right? You've accepted Christ. You've made that personal commitment, but you've never been baptized, right? You've never made that public, that expression on July 30th, we're gonna have a baptism service. Maybe for you, you're just like, hey, today I'm making that commitment. I'm gonna fall. Maybe today God's calling you to serve. Maybe today God's calling you to missions. Maybe today God's calling you to trust him and give. I don't know what it is, but I know this. God's not finished with you. And the best of your life, I still believe this is still to come. You hold on to Him. You trust Him. You worship with everything you have and you follow God even when it doesn't make sense because our God is faithful. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word again. We are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.